From Honor Flight Chicago, this is a veteran story. It is January 1944. The newly christened aircraft carrier USS Franklin joins a huge naval task force in the Pacific. Planes from the Franklin launch attacks at Peleliu, Iwo Jima, Leyte, the Philippines, as the U.S. moves island by island closer to Japan. But the Franklin, nicknamed Big Ben, will find itself a frequent target, first a kamikaze strike, then a more devastating attack by a Japanese Betty bomber. Those two events will take the lives of more than 900 sailors and Marines. Young Marion Burns was assigned to the Franklin's flight deck back then. He was a witness to some horrifying history. Here is his story. So you're from Decatur. Decatur, Illinois. You're a farm boy, sowing uh, your soybeans. Uh, a half farm boy, soybean uh, in the summertime. Why does someone from Decatur, Illinois, a farm boy, elect to enlist in the Navy and head for the ocean? Well, uh, I just didn't want to be uh, digging a foxhole. I, I thought it would be better in the Navy and the food would be better and be able to get a shower, salt water or whatever, but it would be better. And, uh, <laughs> Sounds logical. It didn't turn out so good. But you're 17 and yeah. you decide to enlist. Yeah. Now, well, actually, I was 16, and, and uh, but my mama wouldn't sell. She wouldn't sign, uh, so I had to wait until I was 17 to join the Navy. So did you try to get in when you were 16? Yeah, I did. And you fibbed then about your age? Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. Why, why did you do that? Uh, there's so many people from your generation at that time well, didn't tell the truth it, about it, their age to get into service. That's true. World War II, uh, uh, it was just a different kind of situations. Was there this sense among young men and women in the country then that whatever your age, it was time to serve? It, that's for sure. That's for sure. And so that was, that was part of your decision. So many. I got to go and help. So many. There was sure. All right, so you um, you go to boot camp, you go to Great Lakes. Went to boot camp and uh, for six weeks, and that was uh, quite an ordeal with me being so small with those those big hillbillies that were uh, in in the group with us. But it was okay. And, you were uh, you were uh, about 140 pounds. Yeah, dripping wet, huh? Uh, yeah, 140 pounds. Um, might have weighed a little bit long, more than that, but uh, and then afterwards, why well, I, I went to uh, Norfolk, Virginia, and got on a concrete field uh, freight uh, made into a carrier. It was much smaller than the Franklin, and the Franklin was is much smaller than the carriers nowadays with the atomic, the ones, uh, the Roosevelt and Nimitz and all that. But, uh, but you were assigned to carrier duty. You... I was assigned to carrier duty and flight deck on the, on the charger, and doing every little bit of training here and training there. It was, you know. You had firefighter training? Firefighting training. Everybody had to do that. I went to Boston and 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 uh, fight fires there and and uh, get initiated with the 
put you in the little the building and fill it full of uh, stuff that you didn't want to smell and mm-hmm. and uh, coughing and everything. So then you are assigned to the Franklin. Yeah, I was assigned to, to Franklin. Franklin was being built in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, so it's a brand new ship. It gets brand new commissioned ship. in 1944, I, early I, in 44. I've got a uh, plank owner's card someplace. Uh, and it's called the Big Ben because it's Big ben, ben Franklin. Benjamin Franklin. Right. Yes. So on the Franklin, your job is on the flight deck. Now you're a you're a chalk man, right? Yeah, I was Can a chalk man to is? begin with, and and uh, I was doing okay uh, because I was just early uh, small flights that would go on in the Atlantic, and then we, we went through the, well, we tried to get through the Panama Canal, but there was the the gunneries, uh, 20 millimeters that were stuck out too far, and they had to cut them off and, and uh, go through the canal and then weld them back on. And then we went around to the West Coast to, to uh, San Diego, well, as a chalk man, you're on the flight deck, and there are risks inherent with Very being on the flight for, deck. For a 140-pound uh, young guy. And, uh, yeah, early morning, uh, revving up. The planes were revving up to get up. Uh, they would. Uh, this was all takeoff. Mm-hmm. No, no uh, shooting them off. And uh, they, the one ahead of me was revving up and, and uh, oh boy this is this is no good it, i i can't hold on you know in in it most almost blew me off blew me on to the, the airplane in back of me so and uh, its propeller was going propeller so the 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 captain of the airplane that saw me this was the young uh, uh, crew in the that helps out the captain uh, the helps out the pilot he gets into the plane and gets him in the harness and gets him all settled. And he's he was on the on the wing and he saw me uh, struggling and he gave the signal for the for the plane to shuttle down and. So you're hanging on for dear life. I was to hanging something. on to the every at, at the half back of a, the carrier. You have these little tie down places where. The ship, the the airplanes can be tied down. Okay. In and when they're just on the flight deck and uh, maybe getting ready to take off or bad weather. So you're holding on to the tie down. I, I was holding you, down to the. If if you don't hold on to it, you're going to be yeah, blown into the propeller of yeah, the plane that, behind you. That and the the cables that were the back of the uh, aft ship that. Uh, the airplanes would come in, and and the, these cables would be raised up hydraulically, maybe I don't know, eight inches, maybe. And this is what the the airplane comes in, and they their tail is down low, and they have the hook the hanging hook, out, and they hook. catch the the cable, and, and they go so far, and then the cable just slows them down and stops them before they get to the the far end of the ship. Mm-hmm. 
and in and the far end of the ship, in the middle of the ship, there's barriers that, uh, cable barriers that are four or five cables that are up in the air, and if you don't, uh, if the airplane doesn't uh, stop in time, well, then it crashes into these cable barriers, and mm-hmm. we, we had that happen quite a bit. Well, the, uh, the Franklin is headed toward Japan. Yep. And did, did all of you know then about what you would be facing? Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. We knew that from, from past carriers uh, getting uh, into battle, getting sunk. We roamed all over the place. We got close to, to the Philippines. We got close to Japan. The Franklin seems to have been, for whatever reason, a target, constant target of the Japanese. It was. As it's this brand new ship. Yeah. And on, in September 44, a Japanese bomber gets through and he's able to drop a bomb that hits the elevator on the flight deck. And you lose three men, right? Yeah. Uh, then a little more than a month later, a kamikaze hits the Franklin. Yeah. Aft. Aft portion. The number three elevator and... Where were you when that happened? Uh, I was on the flight deck, port side. Uh, at that time, I was a talker that talked between the, the flight deck, the island, and, and the, the uh, hangar deck. And I was also uh, uh, binoculars watching incoming, uh, looking for submarines or airplanes. And I also ran the, the number two elevator. And and that first first uh, bomb that came came in, it uh, it didn't hit the ship, but it hit uh, in the water close to the number two elevator, and and it blew up and blew me, and I was down in the catwalk, and it blew me into the catwalk, you know, and I got. Uh, Were you injured? Yeah, I got uh, seven pieces of shrapnel in my back, so I didn't even know it until the. Did the, the shrapnel work its way out of your it body? It worked its way out. The the crewman, the corpsman, he went at the first aid. He just he says, no problem, it'll work itself out. Put powder on it, and that was it. And go back to work. Went back to work. Right. But then the kamikaze hits. Then the kamikaze hit. 50, that was bad. Fifty-six men died. Yeah. When that hit. Yeah, it, that was bad. And then we would went you, back would, to. Would, uh, would you describe that for me, please? What What did you see when, when the well, kamikaze hit? Where were you? I was at station at the elevator, and, and uh, there was there was a lot of smoke, fires, and but it was mostly. Uh, you know, uh, well, it was hangar deck and the flight deck, and uh, they did a a good job of cleaning it up. And but it it, it was a mess. Were you firefighting duty then? Did you have to put uh, out fires? No, I was not. They they had firefighting people. They had their red shirts on, and the munition people had their colored shirts on, and. You know, 
Did you, you realize then that the damage done to the ship was significant enough oh, yeah. that you'd have to, oh, yeah. you'd have to be out of action for a it, while? It tore up. Nobody, no planes could take off or land. They, they landed on the other carrier and, or, or landed at the islands that were nearby that could take them. Yeah, and we went back. To, we went to Honolulu, and they couldn't fix us, so we went back to the states. And we were there for sixty days, getting fixed up. Got a thirty-day leave to go home, and then we took off again. Do you have any communication with your mother at that point in time? Are you writing? Can you write letters to her? We could. We could. Uh, yeah, it's uh, writing letters was to me. Uh, you couldn't write anything. They'd block them out. You could just, hello, I'm fine. How are you? And, and all that uh, good stuff. Well, you get fixed up. The Franklin is repaired and hits back to sea. And you end up, I think, about 50 miles off the Japanese coast. Yeah. In the meantime, we'd, we worked all around, you know, daily sending up planes to to look for Japanese aircraft and so they continually going taking off and landing taking off and landing it was just a early morning until late at night you know because at night you had the bright moon which we hated to, to see all the time you know it was didn't like a bright new uh, moon with the submarines uh, in the area, but we could go much faster than the submarines could. Marion, what was a typical day like on the ship when you're in combat or expected to be in combat? What would the day be like? Well, they would they would sound their their blaster horns and tell them that it was this this was not a test. This is not this is the real thing, and and you'd go to your battle stations and be locked in for the people below deck, which I, I, I could have, I, I don't know how I, they could stand it down there to be locked in and not know, a little bit they could know, but when you hear the, the guns going off and, and uh, things like that, the 20 millimeters going off, and uh, it's, it's, it's bad. but it's just a daily routine. There's, there's a lot of days that it was, Real nice sitting out in the sun, you know, after you get the planes in the air, how many was, you know, maybe six, maybe 12, maybe maybe uh, just two. But they were continually, all day, just uh, the noise was tremendous. And, and uh, when, the, when the guns would uh, practice and... Uh, when you're under assault like that, and you're running to your battle station. Uh, are, are you? Do you have butterflies? Are Are you just instinctively moving to where you need to be? Yeah, or are you scared? What What's going on in your yeah, head? Yeah, it was. Yeah, but I don't know. You're young. You're gung ho, and and uh, doesn't seem to bother you. Uh, didn't seem to bother me, except uh, when they were shooting at us. You know, it was so loud. And uh, you just, uh, some of them could take it and some of them couldn't. And some of them would be on the flight deck and they'd get strafed. 
Mm-hmm. And they'd get hurt and get killed. We had a lot of airplane accidents that would come in and they'd bounce and hit the barriers or, or they'd bounce and, and the one time it hit the island. And one time the, 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 the airplane went right over my head, real low, and went in, and it was, it was uh, all shot up, and it landed in the drink, in the ocean, and you could see the the crewman and the pilot trying to get out, and that particular one they didn't get out, and uh, that's that's the bad part of it, you know. Well. The big bad part comes on March 19th, 1945. Yep. You're about 50 miles off the coast of Japan. You've launched the first wave of planes have left for their targets. And somehow a Japanese bomber is able to get through. He gets through. And he he drops a couple of bombs and they go through the flight deck and into the hangar deck. And everything is all fueled up, ready for the next take off, tiny Tim's torpedoes are loaded into the TBFs, and the magazines are all full of shells and everything, and it's, and it, it was really, a, really bad. Where are you when this happens? I, I was at my station. I had went up the ladder from breakfast, and it was early morning, and I got back to my stations, and uh, then I, I I seen him coming in, and he dropped the two bombs. And these are big bombs, five hundred pounders, uh, armor. I, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, there were many, many explosions, fires. You had smoke all over. Could you smoke breathe? Smoke all over, bodies all over. It's uh, my Franklin book. It's. It's uh, list uh, something like 807 sailors, and we had a, a few Marines on our board ship for protection. They lost their lives. Lost their lives, and many more that were wounded. Right. You know. When you look back on the number of times the Franklin was hit, and this March 19th attack, of course, was the biggest, did you somehow feel that some way or another, the Franklin just had some really bad luck. Yeah, I did. I did, yeah. And after, uh, you know, I was 17, 18, and 19 mm-hmm. during that time. And, and it, it didn't bother me. It, it, was, it, it bothered me, but not as much as it does now. You know, and, and after I got home and... And uh, my saintly mother uh, helped me a lot get through that, sit on the front porch. Did you tell her about it? Yeah. Just listen. That's that's all she did. so, so somebody to listen. That's all right. Listening it is, is uh, 
And then, then after I was married and the children started coming, five daughters and a son, I started realizing that uh, what all these hundreds of sailors and Marines are missing, and many, many, many times I couldn't sleep, get up and sleep on the couch. And Do you still have that? I still have that. I still have that. At age 94. After the attack, the Franklin lists. It takes on water, and you're listing about. You guys thought you were dead in the water, right? I, and you I were. I thought it was going to go completely over. It was listed at 45 degrees, and yeah. And they had to, lost his power. Had to be had to be towed for quite a while. Well, in the midst of this, after the attack, there were some heroics on board your many, ship. Many, many heroics. And there was a... People that were trapped below, down below deck. Mm-hmm. And uh, they actually climbed through the, I don't know, it might have been a smokestack or whatever and to, to get out. There was a lieutenant junior grade who, uh, two men, uh, Joseph Callahan, who was a, a, a Catholic chaplain, yeah. and Donald Gray. Yeah. Uh, Gray somehow found it, and you're talking about the men underneath, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. the sense that you're down below and you're trapped. There were 300 men trapped yeah. in uh, yeah. the mess compartment, and yeah. Gray managed to get them all to safety. Yeah. So you had, he got a Medal of Honor, as did yeah, the uh, chaplain. He did. Well, you reflect on this in the immediacy as a as a young man. You don't feel the impact, but over the years, over time, as you grow and mature, you look back at it and you say, "What was I through? What did it do to all of us and to me?" And I imagine you think about that quite often. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I would uh, try to sleep, and it was it was. Uh, Funny, I, I I kept telling myself I have got to stop, stop this and get my body and mind under control and and stop all this uh, having it affect me and my my uh, because I I know that missing sleep it it affect my job and and it affect my family, they they knew it and uh, but uh, they were understanding. Like, yeah, uh, they like were. your mother, I, I have a a wonderful family. The the especially the the the, the son, and uh, then I, and I have a middle daughter that's in in a little bit of physical problems. And uh, but the other uh, uh, four daughters really help. Mm-hmm. Call me every day, see if I'm okay. Uh, Bring me food. Do your laundry. <laughs> Do my laundry. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But uh, where were you? Uh, well, first of all, I guess we should say that the uh, the Franklin was so badly damaged. Uh, you did manage to somehow 
fire it up, get it going again under its own power. Yeah, um, they did. Uh, but during that time when you were dead in the water, did you feel like you were a sitting duck, like you were a target oh, sure. about to be hit again? 50 miles from Japan. Oh, yeah. But uh, but you were fortunate that the, the bombers did not come back, and you had protection, too. You no, know, they didn't come back. And we kept... So for, for what it's worth, um, I'm, I'm glad that... Uh, I have no no reason to not feel that uh, President Truman gave the okay to to do what he did, mm-hmm. and it was it's the the effects were horrible. But uh, I know in my mind that if that hadn't happened, I'd have been and so many many other ones would have been shipped right back to uh, to a carrier or wherever. To, uh, for the invasion of Japan. To the invasion of Japan. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, the Franklin is done, so it's it, it yeah, makes its it way was, back. It went back to uh, to Brooklyn, and they were going to fix it up, but uh, uh, they, the war ended, and so they scrapped it. A lot of the things that happened during the war you didn't know about, you find out about it later on. Uh, a lot of that stuff we didn't hear about it. During World War II, uh, they had the, uh, I felt they really clamped down on the press. Mm-hmm. They really uh, told them what they could do and what they couldn't do. And the, yes, you're right. So much of that stuff we didn't know. We didn't know at all. And, and, and they wanted to, to, uh, to publish it. And they, they uh, in France or uh, in Europe, uh, where they uh, they uh, broke the code, and and the Pacific, where they broke the code, the Japanese code, and we we knew nothing about that, mm-hmm. and they were very secret about it, and and uh, it and it worked out good, it really worked out good. The war is over, and you are discharged, and you. You did, did you go home to Decatur? Yeah, went went back to Decatur and. What and was that like? Uh, get, getting together with your family. You had brothers who were in the service too. I had brothers in the service. My my father was uh, worked for the lumber company and he got hurt, and uh, he was sent to uh, to uh, Springfield to a facility. What was your meeting with your mother like when you returned? It home? was. Well, what I remember of it was it was very good, very good, because she was so worried about us all being in the service. Well, three of us at that time. She probably gave you a big hug, didn't she? (laughs) Lots of hugs. That's great. She helped me out a lot. So and then you, after the war, what, what do you do? What is your job? What do you... Well, I got different different jobs in Decatur, working, making floor lamps, and, and uh, but it was, uh, later on, it was not good in Decatur, and uh, the, the, the work was hard to get, so uh, I, I met my, met uh, Mildred, and we got married, and I said, well... I'm going to move to Chicago where 
the work was much better. Mm-hmm. So I, I moved to Chicago and got a job with Admiral Corporation as inspector. And, and then I started going to school at the IIT and uh, at the evening and weekends and and uh, other part-time jobs to bring the money in. Well, in 2009, you go on your honor flight Chicago experience. Had, yeah. had you been to Washington, D.C. before? Never. never. So this no. was a first time for flew, you. Flew over it, but uh, uh, went to... Uh, the ladies at the honor flight there heard about it, Publix, and and uh, so I thought, well, why don't I go? So I talked to my daughter, Linda. Uh, they live out in West Chicago, and she went along as a chaperone, too. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your experience when you arrived there. Well, we, we met a lot of people at Midway that was seeing us off and 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 it was a tremendous celebration when we came back, even a bigger celebration when we came back. All the firemen and policemen and servicemen and family members that were there. And what did that what did that experience mean to you? It, it meant a lot. It really did. It that uh, it was worthwhile to to be in the service and to serve and and to come out. Uh, so many of them that didn't come home. That was the bad part. Did the experience of the honor flight uh, have an impact on your ability to to accept what happened? It, it did. Yeah, I didn't think so at the time, but you know, after you you meet so many other servicemen on there, and we got so much literature. Thank you, uh, letters from our family, school kids, and other people, associations, pardon me. Sure. That uh, uh, it was a very tearful, tearful flight. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I cry a lot, but it really surprised me to find all these men and a few women that were on the the airplane that received all of this literature and thank you notes and a lot of tears a lot of tears everybody i i couldn't see anybody that wasn't wasn't crying from from army and navy marines coast guard but they're tears of joy aren't tears they tears of joy yeah. yep tears of joy well you had an incredible life experience i i did and and as you can see, the, the shirt that I'm wearing, mm-hmm. you know. Your honor flight shirt? This is not the one. <laughs> <laughs> I had, that was uh, nine years old, and it got quite raggedy, and, and the cap. Well, that's good. You're getting some wear out of it. I then, got huh? some wear. I, I wore it so much, and I got so much appreciation from from people that would come up, thank shake my hand and say thank you thank you god bless that means a lot doesn't it it meant a lot it really meant a lot it did 
That word, uh, those two words, thank you, go a long way, it don't did. they? Yeah. And a pat on the back or a hug from the ladies and, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Marion, let me say thank you to you. Yeah. For your service, for your dedication. I thank you much. found today's honor thank inspire episode to be moving and meaningful if you did please consider sharing this podcast and make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts the impact honor flight chicago has on the lives of our veterans and their families is made possible by the generosity of our donors to support our mission to find our veteran application to volunteer or simply for more information please visit us at honorflightchicago.org.